Well, Colossians chapter 1 this morning, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Church, I'm going to be honest with you. I doubt very seriously that you're going to walk away today saying that was the best message that preacher ever preached. But I'm telling us, if we can somehow get the truth of what I'm going to give you today, what the Lord's going to give you today, I'm telling you what, this could very well change your life. It really could. And uh, God gave me this thought a few weeks ago, and I just happened to, whenever God gives me a thought, by the way, this is a good idea for you as well. Whenever you're involved in your Bible study and God gives you a thought that just really stands out, write it down. Be sure you write it down, because if you don't write it down, it'll leave you. And so I was in my Bible study, and God gave me this thought. And, uh, you know, sometimes, y'all don't think I'm weird now, okay, but sometimes if I'm out and about somewhere and, and I don't have anything to write with or maybe, you know, it's just sort of a crazy time and God gives me a thought, I'll text it to myself. Y'all ever do that? And I text it to myself, and, and, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden my phone will go ding, and I'm like, oh, I just got a text, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> And I know it's going to be there. That way it won't dissolve into oblivion. And God gave me this, uh, this thought, and I, and I thought, man, what a thought this is. And so I wrote it down, and then several weeks later, I was just going back through my notes, and I found this thought, and I, and I thought, wow. And God began to put together a message that I want to give you today. Colossians chapter 1, and uh, when you find your place, and this is just going to dovetail right off of what Brother Mike was uh, teaching today. In fact, some of the places that Brother Mike didn't get, get to go to, we're going to go to, all right? And so look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 12. The Bible says this, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us in, uh, into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Brother Tim, Brother Timmy Painter, I don't know where Brother Timmy is right there. Brother Timmy asked me a question a few weeks ago. Brother Timmy, hang on, we're going to answer that question today who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. Now watch these next few words. Who is the beginning? The firstborn, there's that word again. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the what? The preeminence. And I want to talk to you about that word today, preeminence. It's not a word we use a lot. It's not a word you probably use a lot while you're talking to other people, maybe even never. You may have never used that word. But it's a word that the Scripture uses, 
And it's a very important word, and we want to focus on that word preeminence today. And so I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about this subject, prominence and preeminence. Prominence and preeminence. You may be seated this morning. Let's go to the Lord, ask God to help us, and we'll jump right into this Bible study today, and I hope it'll be a blessing. Father, thank you for the holy word of God. Thank you for the scriptures, Lord, that... that illuminate us, that enlighten us, that, that shines light on our path and shows us which direction that we should go. Lord, I, I, again, I doubt very seriously anybody's going to walk away today saying that was the, the, the best message I've ever heard preacher preach since I've been coming to Calvary. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think if someone gets a hold of the truth that you're going to give them right now, I do think somebody very well might leave this place different than when they were when they entered earlier today. And so, Lord, would you take a little while now and Holy Spirit, would you teach us the difference between prominence and preeminence? And God bless our discussion and Save anybody that may be lost and encourage anybody that may be discouraged. Heal anybody that needs healing. Deliver anybody that needs deliverance. God, whatever it is today, whatever miracle that somebody needs, I'm not afraid to talk about that. You're a miracle-working God. You're still working miracles. And so, Lord, I pray that you do great things today in our midst and help us to give you the praise and the glory we love you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake and all of God's family said, amen. I believe today that we're going to identify one of the main problems. I really believe that. One of the main problems in the world today. And sadly, most people will never recognize, they'll never recognize this problem because it's one of those it's one of those issues that sometimes a little light needs to be shed on it. It's one of those that if you're not careful, you'll, you'll sort of go by it and uh, not really pay attention to it. And it's one of those situations where you sort of think you're doing right when you, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit sheds light on this and you realize, you know what, I was sort of doing right, but not really doing the right that I need to be doing. This is What's really sad is that this is not just a problem with the world, but it's also a problem in the church. I think probably there are times when Christian people make this mistake innocently. We may get done with this message today, and there may be some folks who say, Preacher, I never realized it. I never realized it. Thank you for preaching on it, because I never, I never thought about it like that. I never really... It never really dawned on me what I was doing or what I wasn't doing. And so, isn't it wonderful, church? This is why the Holy Spirit, or this is why God gives us his Holy Spirit. And this is also why the Lord has graciously provided us with a Bible-believing church so you and I can come here and be enlightened and be helped and be encouraged. You say, preacher, this mistake you're talking about, this problem you're talking about, what is this this problem, and here it is. We make the mistake of making Jesus Christ prominent, but we fail miserably in making Jesus preeminent. 
Now, I don't expect you to have it yet, but I want you to just, I, I'm going to pause just a moment and let that marinate just a little bit. And in fact, I want to say that again. We make the mistake of making Jesus prominent, but somehow we fail in making Jesus preeminent. Now, you say, Pastor, I don't even know what those words mean. Well, I'm glad you came today so I can try to help you on, on, on these words. The word prominent means important. Important. You know what we do a lot of times as Christian people? We make the Lord important. He's important. If I were to ask you today, how, don't, don't raise your hand, but if I were to ask how many of you, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is important in your life. Truth of the matter is, probably most hands would go up. If not, all hands would go up. Oh, yes, uh, a preacher, the Lord is important in my life. The Lord is prominent in my life. He's an important part of our life. And so that word prominence means important, but the word preeminent is something far different. The word preeminent means to be first. The word preeminent means to hold the first place. If you look up the word preeminent in your Merriam-Webster dictionary, it, it, this is the, the definition. Preeminence means greatest greatest. It means this, and I love this definition. It means surpassing all others is what the word preeminent means. Now, again, the sad truth is this. While we offer the Lord Jesus Christ prominence, we fail to give the Lord Jesus Christ preeminence. It's not a question of whether he is important in your life. I, I'm sure that every single person in this room, you would say, Preacher, Jesus is important in my life. Okay, and by the way, I'm not knocking that. Thank the Lord that Christ is important in your life. Thank God that he's prominent in your life. But I want to ask you a question. Is he preeminent? You say, Pastor, the Lord is prominent in my marriage. Praise the Lord. But is he preeminent in your marriage? You say, Pastor, the Lord is really prominent in my child rearing. Wonderful. But how is he as far as preeminence is concerned? Hey, can I hit one that's controversial? You say, Pastor, the Lord is prominent in my, in my finances. Wonderful, wonderful. But is he preeminent in your finances? You see, there's a difference. There's a difference in prominence and preeminence. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. We often give the Bible prominence by reading it for five minutes. But we give the television preeminence by watching it for four or five hours. And so all they will say, oh, the Bible is so important in my life. And we, we give the Bible prominence, but we give the boob tube preeminence. And the Holy Spirit says, you need to get in your Bible. And we say sometimes, I will just as soon as my favorite show is done. And then just as soon as that favorite show is done, we watch the next favorite show. And, and do you see where I'm headed? We give, the, we give the church prominence by attending a service that lasts an hour. And we'll say, oh, the Lord is, is so important in my life. And he is, I'm not, I'm not debating that. But we give the church prominence by attending a service, but we'll give preeminence to a sporting event that may last for hours and hours. 
the preacher will go over for 15 minutes and we're like, what is he thinking? What's this dude's problem? I mean, preacher, don't you know we got to get to the restaurant? Don't you know we got to beat the Methodist over? I mean, don't you know, pastor? I mean, we, it's, uh, listen, you know, uh, hey, preacher, you went over 12 minutes and, and, uh, and we, sort of, we sort of begrudge that and then we'll go to the ball game and, and they'll go into extra innings and man, we're just shouting and praising the Lord and just excited because we're really getting our money's worth. You see what I'm saying? A lot of times we give the Lord prominence but we fail to give the Lord preeminence. What are you talking about? What, what are you talking about, preacher? We give the work of the Lord prominence by giving an offering. By giving an offering. But we'll give preeminence to cable television or satellite radio or movie channels with a monthly uh, uh, subscription. We'll give our, we give our walk with God prominence by spending a few minutes with the Lord but we'll give friends and family preeminence by fellowshipping for hours and hours. The Pharisees gave Jesus prominence by calling him master. They did call him master, but absolutely refused to offer him preeminence as the son of the living God. Many times we make the mistake of making Jesus prominent. We make Jesus prominent, but we make our job preeminent. Many young people are willing to make Jesus prominent, but unfortunately they make their boyfriend or their girlfriend preeminent. Are y'all following me this morning? There's a difference. And what I'm saying is a lot of times we don't even realize we're doing it. And if somebody were to come and ask us, say, hey, is Christ important in your life? Yes, yes. Uh, the Lord's important in my life, and he is. I'm, again, I'm not knocking that, not debating that. Uh, the Lord is, is, is important in our life. He's important in our marriage. He's important in our home. But this is what the Bible is teaching. Jesus Christ should not merely have uh, a prominence, but Jesus Christ ought to have preeminence. Man, he ought to be first. He ought to be surpassing all others. He ought to be much more important than the television. He ought to be much more important than, than the job. He ought to be much more important than, you know, somebody says, well, you know, preacher, I'd come, but I got to sleep in on Sunday. I, I get it. I get it. You know what that means? That means the Lord is prominent in your life, but sleeping in is preeminent. I hate to preach right off the bat here, but I mean, that's just, you know. And so I would just ask us this morning, is, is the Lord Jesus, is the Lord Jesus prominent in your life or is he preeminent in your life? Because that word preeminence is giving God absolute first place. Listen to what Job said in Job 23 and verse number 12. Job is going through the fire. He's going through the, the valley. All 10 of his kids have been killed. His livestock is gone. His homes are gone. His health is gone. And in Job 23, 12, Job said this, neither... Have I gone back from the commandment of his lips? I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You know what Job was saying? The word of God gets preeminence. Now, food has prominence. Food's important. But Job said, if, I gotta, if I've got to choose between food and the word of God, he said, guess which one gets preeminence? Is food important? Yes. Do you have to have it? Yes. But Job said, I'm telling you that, that the word of God is going to get the preeminence in my life. Now, let me, ask, let, let me answer a question this morning. Why? Why should Christ receive preeminence? 
Why should he have first place in our life, in our marriage, in our home, in our finances, in our child rearing, in, in, in our thought life? In our, in our thought life. Why should Christ have preeminence in our life? Well, the Bible, uh, the Bible tells us all about that in Colossians chapter one. And I want you to look there with me, if you will, today. Uh, first of all, and I'll just give you four quick thoughts, and we may not be able to do diligence with all these. Number one, Christ ought to have preeminence because, he, because of his sacrificial cross. Now look in your Bibles today. Colossians chapter one, verse number 19. Colossians 1, 19. Why is it that I should give him first place? Verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Watch 20, verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him. I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. You say, pastor, okay, all right, I got a question. Why should God be more important than my television? Why should God be more, more important than my job? Why should God be more important than my hobby? Why should God be more important than bass fishing on Sunday or playing golf on Sunday or going to the race? on? Why should God be more important? And this is the reason, because of the Lord Jesus Christ and the cross that he died on for your sins. Did you know church that nobody ever died like Jesus died. Now other men have died and other men have died for friends and others, but no man, listen to me now, let me tell you the difference between the death of Jesus and the death of others. No man who died ever died bearing the sins of the entire world. That's one of the things that makes the death of Christ so different. Jesus Christ not only died, but Jesus Christ died as your sin bearer and my sin bearer. First Peter chapter two, verse 24 says it like this, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now, I want you to hold your Bibles at Colossians chapter one, because we're going right back there in just a moment. But I want you to turn over with me to the gospel of John, the gospel of John, John chapter number, uh, John chapter number 19. And I want to show you a little something here concerning this thing of Jesus dying on the cross, John chapter number 19. And, uh, I, I want you to know this church that it was, it was on his cross that the sins of every man were poured onto Jesus Christ. Now look at John 19 in your Bibles in verse number 28. The Bible says after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there, was a, uh, now, now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the cross. Interesting story about the crucifixion. That, it, that if you read the crucifixion story, you'll find out that a little bit earlier in the story, they came and offered the Lord wine mingled with myrrh. That was, in fact, an a, a anesthetic that would help dull some of the pain. And as they came and offered that to the Lord Jesus Christ, he refused it. The Bible says he would not receive it. But then a little bit later when he's on the cross, they came with this vinegar and they lifted this vinegar up and they, they allowed him to partake of this vinegar and that vinegar actually was provided to enhance the torture. 
That vinegar they would often give the victim on the cross, they would give that that victim that vinegar in order to keep that, that victim alive and suffering as long as possible. But I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now, I don't know. We, we won't debate about this at all. But I love Dr. Johnny Pope, and I love to hear him preach and teach the word of God. I listened to him this morning before I, before I came to church. Dr. Pope believes this. He believes that when the Lord Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, and when Jesus said, I thirst, that he wasn't necessarily talking physically. He was talking spiritually. And he believes at that point when he said, I thirst, that he was speaking to his heavenly father and he was saying, I'm ready. And at that point, God the Father took your sins and my sins, every bad word you've ever spoken, every bad thought you've ever had, every lustful action you've ever committed, God the Father took those sins uh, from my life and your life and poured those sins onto the darling Son of God. And there Jesus bore your sins and bore my sins. And thank God because of that, we can have life in heaven. And somebody ought to say amen right there. Oh, you say, Pastor, why in the world should I give Jesus preeminence? I'll tell you why. Because of his cross. Because of his cross. Now, whether or not you believe what I just said about I thirst, it makes no matter. But I'm telling you, at any rate, Christ suffered the wrath of God that was reserved for you and was reserved for me. Brother Mike was going to go to Isaiah 53 this morning. Didn't get a chance to. Listen to what Isaiah the prophet said about the cross. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul, Jesus, an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Church, this is simple preaching this morning. This is all I'm saying. Do you know why the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be more than just prominent in your life? He ought to be preeminent. He ought to be more important than your job, more important than your income, more important than your kids, more important than your spouse, more important than your golf game. More important than you mowing the grass. More important than anything. You know why? Because of his cross. You understand that if Jesus Christ would not have died, that you and I, our destiny would be hell. Hell. Boy, thank God that Jesus did what he did. And then when I, when I look at the cross and I think about his suffering and I Think about all that he did for me. It makes me want to give him not just prominence, but preeminence. And so, first of all, number one, we notice that he deserves preeminence because of his cross. Number two, quickly, I'll just get, hit this quickly. Number two, he deserves preeminence because of his coming kingdom. Now look back at Colossians chapter one, look at verse number five. Why should I give Jesus first place? Because of his coming kingdom. Colossians 1.5, Paul said here, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, 
Where have you heard before in the world of the truth of the gospel? Why does the Lord Jesus deserve preeminence? Because our Bible says that he's preparing us a place of untold blessings and beauty. Now, I'm not gonna have you, I'm not gonna have you turn there. I want you to stay right there in Colossians. But, you know, I begin to think about heaven and recently put out a book on heaven. And I believe this. I believe, you've heard me say this many, many times. I believe the Old Testament is an illustration of New Testament truth. And I believe in the Old Testament, we have an illustration of what it's gonna be like for you and I when we get into heaven. Back in, let me just give you the reference here. 1 Kings chapter 10, in 1 Kings chapter 10, the Bible says the queen of Sheba uh, traveled a long distance to visit the kingdom of Solomon. Now I want you to listen to the scripture here in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse four. The Bible says, and when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard him in her own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. How be it, she said, I believe not the words until I came. And mine eyes had seen it. And then she said this, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. You know what I believe? I believe that is an illustration of how it's gonna be for you and I one of these days when we open our eyes in heaven. One of these days when we get together in heaven, you're gonna say, preacher, you preached on heaven, but I, and preacher, I really appreciate you and everything. But pastor, you didn't even scratch the surface. I mean, pastor, I really appreciate, appreciate your book and everything, but I mean, you didn't even have a clue. You understand that we get in heaven one of these days when we get in heaven? You understand it's, you're gonna need a glorified body just to withstand it. Because it's going to be that awesome. It's going to be that great. In fact, I'll just give you another reference. You don't have to go there. How about 2 Samuel chapter 9? I believe that's another Old Testament illustration. The Bible says that David is back on the throne. Saul is dead. Saul's been after David for many, many years. And Saul is now passed off the scene. David's on the throne and David says, you know, I wonder if there's any of the house of Saul left that I could show a little kindness for my friend Jonathan. Somebody says, uh, King, there is. There is. His name is Mephibosheth. He lives way down here in a place called Lodibar. It was a ghetto. Are y'all with me? It was a ghetto. It was the poorest of the poor. Catalyst, it means, there was no industry, no, uh, n nothing going on in Lodabar. The people were poor as dirt. And here little Mephibosheth is living in Lodabar, a, a son of the king. And he's living in Lodabar. He's not only living in the ghettos, but the Bible says that when he was young, that his maid dropped him. And, and when she dropped him, the Bible says it crippled him. And Mephibosheth is crippled. He's a cripple. He can't walk. He's living in the ghettos. And the Bible says that David gets his entourage together and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down there to Lodabar. And he said, I want you to load up with Mephibosheth and I want you to bring him to the king's palace. 
And can you, listen, can you use your imagination a little bit? The Bible says that the kings, I can see these golden chariots. I can see these uh, soldiers with gleaming swords and, and uh, shiny spears and shields as they roll into Lodabar. And the people, those poor people begin to look and they think, oh my, oh my, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And those men say, we're looking for Mephibosheth. And somebody says, he lives right down here in this little shanty of a house right down here. And those soldiers go down there and knock on the door. Mephibosheth has to, sort of, has to sort of crawl to the door. He can't walk. He crawls to the door and he slides the door open and they said, are you Mephibosheth? He says, yes, I am. And they said, we need you to come with us. No doubt Mephibosheth thinks, man, this is it. David's gonna kill me. And they report to Mephibosheth, this crippled little ghetto-bound kid. They report to Mephibosheth, no, the king is going to bring you to the palace and you're going to sleep in the palace. You're going to sleep in the bed of the king and you're going to eat at the king's table and you're going to be with the king forevermore. Listen to me, church, this is what I'm saying. Do you understand that right now we're living in the ghettos of this world? This world? Uh, listen, are you understanding that because of sin, we're cripples? We're cripples? But I got some good news. There's coming a day when the king of kings is coming and he's coming to get you and take you home and what a place it's going to be. Why should we give Jesus preeminence? I'll tell you why. Because of his coming kingdom. Listen, the truth of the matter is, Brother Rodney, we don't deserve it. And there's not a one of us in here today that does. We don't deserve a kingdom like the kingdom he's gonna give us. We don't deserve streets of gold and gates of pearl and a crystal river and a tree of life and a perfect body and perfect knowledge and perfect revelation. We don't deserve it. And yet he's gonna give it to us. I wanna tell you what, you know what? For a God like that, I don't wanna give him just prominence. I wanna give him preeminence. Why should we give Jesus not just prominence, but preeminence. Number one, because of his cross. Number two, because of his come, coming kingdom. I'll just hit this point and go to the last point. Number three, he deserves preeminence because of his maturing congregation. Now let me explain what I'm talking about. Look back at your, your passage. Colossians chapter one, verse seven. Colossians one, verse seven. And Paul says to the church of Colossae, as ye also learned of Ephaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Verse nine, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Listen to me now. You know why you ought to give Christ first place? Look right here. You know why you ought to give Christ first place? Because you're setting an example. That's what he's talking about. Did you know somebody's watching your life right now? He said, preacher, I'm... Not me, yeah, you. Did you know that each of us have a certain amount of influence? You don't have to be the pastor or a deacon. 
You say, Pastor, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. No, maybe not, but you have a certain amount of influence. If you're 17 years old and you have younger siblings, let me tell you something. You've got a great amount of influence. Do you know those little brothers and sisters are watching you? You know it's important that we give Christ first place? Why should he have preeminence in my life? Because somebody's watching your example. And truth of the matter is, if you don't set the right example in giving him first place, some of those folks that are watching you, they won't make it. And, and in fact, don't, don't take my word for this. Look at, your, look at your Bibles. Look what he says, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Hey, church, listen to me now. You know how you ought to give Jesus first place? Because somebody's watching you. Hey, parent, your kids are watching you. You don't have time to get involved in drugs and alcohol. Well, it's not hurting anybody but me. No, it's hurting everybody that's watching you. Your influence is killing your kids. Those coworkers that you're working with and they know that you go to Calvary Baptist Church on Sunday and yet uh, Monday through Friday you fail to give Jesus preeminence in your life. And Well, I'm going to say praise the Lord on Sunday, but I'm going to say, uh, you know, blankety, blankety, blank on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And those friends, uh, yes, I'm preaching good this morning, amen. And those friends are watching your example. And if we don't set the right example, some of those friends, some of those children, some of those coworkers may not make it. You know what your coworker needs? They need somebody that walks into work on Monday morning who gives Jesus preeminence. The Lord, Lord important to you? Oh, yeah, he's important to me. Blankety, blankety, blank. Yeah. Important, but not important enough to clean your language up. No. Your coworkers don't need to see a, a, a worker who gives Jesus some importance. Your coworkers need to see a worker who gives Jesus preeminence. And your kids don't need to see parents. Hey, parents, I love you. We just sort of preach it straight at Calvary. Your parent, listen, if you're a parent, your kids don't need to see a parent who makes Jesus. Well, he's an important part of our life. No. They don't need to see that. They need to see some parents who put Jesus first. First. We got to bring this thing to a close. Why does Jesus deserve preeminence? Because of his sacrificial cross? Because of his coming kingdom? Because of his maturing congregation were done? And uh, this is a little short, short point, but this is where I wanted to get to. How about this? Last of all, because of his creator status. You say, preacher, why does Jesus reserve, deserve preeminence? Because he's Jesus. Do you need any other reason? <laughs> 
Well, why does God need me to worship him or deserve me to worship him? Because he's God. And there is none other, the Bible says. Look at this. Look at this, if you will. Look at Colossians 1, verse 15. Watch this, church. This is good. This will help you. Colossians 1, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Interesting word. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, when the Bible says there that he is the firstborn of every creature, it is not saying that Jesus was created. Brother Mike taught on angels this morning. Angels were created. Mankind was created. Jesus Christ has no beginning and no ending. The word firstborn there in verse number 15 is the Greek word prototokos. And this is what it means. It means foremost. So you can read it like this. Who is the image of the invisible God? The foremost. Of every creature, it means this, and I like this word, and I've got it all caps. It means chief. So you could read it like this. Who is the image of the invisible God? This is talking about Jesus. Who is the image of the invisible God? The chief of every creature. Jesus ought to have preeminence in our life because he is chief. He's chief. You can close your Bibles, we're done. But I want to give you a story or two. I was reading this week. Interesting story. I was reading this week. There was a guy, and he was taking uh, uh, somewhere up north, and he was taking snowmobile lessons. Had never uh, ridden a snowmobile, and he was in one of those places where the, the snows piled up. And so he and several others were taking snowmobile lessons, and they were on their snowmobiles, not going anywhere, but they're on their snowmobiles, and their instructor was there, had his snowmobile. And uh, this guy said, as we were taking this class, he said, I got to looking around. He said, I looked on my snowmobile, and he said, I noticed that I didn't have any rearview mirrors on my snowmobile. And then he said, I looked around, and he said, I noticed that all my classmates, their snowmobiles didn't have rearview mirrors either. And then he said, I looked at the instructor and his snowmobile had two rearview mirrors on it. And so he said, I went to the instructor and I said, you know, I noticed I don't have any rearview mirrors and the other class, they don't have any rearview mirrors on their, on their snowmobiles. He said, and you have rearview mirrors. He said, why is that? And the instructor said this, because we don't want you and the other classmates getting distracted by what's behind you. We want you to keep your eye on the leader. Anybody else getting some help this morning? You know what we better do? Just tear the rearview mirrors off. And quit looking at the preacher and quit looking at the deacons and quit looking at the choir member. And get your eye on the leader. He deserves preeminence. This is probably the worst illustration I've ever given, but listen to this. How many of you old fogies 
in the church. I'm sorry, how many of you more mature, spiritual, knowledgeable saints remember the old blow pop? Y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just got you back right there. I, the old blow pop. Man, we used to love those things. Man, we go down to the little store there close to our house, and man, we, we would buy those blow pops and we'd fill up our, our pockets with blow pops. And you know the greatest thing about the blow pop? is you wanted to get to the center. You licked that thing and sucked on that thing and you wanted to get to the center. You know why? Because in the center of that blow pop was gum. And once you got to the center, man, I mean, yes. You know, the greatest thing this church will ever, ever do is make Jesus Christ the center of everything you do. Your marriage, your home, your life, your job, your school, your homework, your dreams. Just make him the center. Man, I, I got to share this little story with you because it just has just helped me so much this week. Let's, listen to this. There was a medical missionary in China Whenever someone came to him for treatment, he would always tell them the story of the Lord Jesus. One morning before the clinic doors were opened, there came to the missionary an old woman stooped with age. He could tell by the dust on her feet and clothing she had come a long, long way. That morning he treated her and as always told her about the Lord Jesus. The medical missionary said, and I quote, As the rose opens to receive the rays of the noonday sun, so her heart opened to receive the Savior. Her tears made little rivers down her dusty cheeks as she opened her heart to Jesus Christ. Several weeks later, there was a knock at the missionary's door. When he opened the door, he found the same old woman that had come to him several weeks before. She said, Sir, he has saved me. And I know he lives in my heart. He's made my life so happy. But sir, I've forgotten his name. Could you please tell me his name again? The missionary repeated over and over again the name Jesus. And each time the little old lady echoed that name, Jesus, Jesus. Not long after that, A lady by the name of Leela Long heard that story. And she wrote this song. And oh, I wish I still had a singing voice. (laughs) If I did, man, I'd raise the rafters off this place. And she wrote a song, and it goes like this. There have been names that I have loved to hear, but never has there been a name so dear. To this heart of mine, as the name divine, the precious, precious name of Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and it's just the same as his lovely name and that's the reason why I love him so for Jesus is 
the sweetest name I know. Wow. You think for a half of a second that I want to give Hollywood preeminence and just him prominence? Hang Hollywood. Let's give him first place. I'm not against you making money. I know you got to support your families. I get all that. But whatever you do, don't you give your job preeminence and give Jesus prominence. He ought to have first place. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time we've had together today. And God, thank you for this simple, simple message, but an important message. Father, maybe there's somebody here today and they're giving Jesus prominence. He's important. He is important. He's important in their marriage. He's important in their finances. He's important in their child rearing. He's important on the job. But he's not preeminent. Father, would you give us a church full of people who today would say, from now on, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's going to get first place in everything I do, everything I say, the way I live, my marriage, my home, my job, my family, my testimony, my actions, the way I treat others, my talk, my thought life, my computer browsing, my music. He's going to receive preeminence. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. How many here this morning would say, Pastor, if I died today, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, no doubt about it, preacher, I know that I'd go to heaven when I die. If that's you, without anybody looking, would you just raise your hand? Give a little wave offering to the Lord there. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. I'm not going to come back and embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to drag you down the aisle. I don't, I, I don't do that here at Calvary. But I want to ask you a question. How many are here this morning would say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure about heaven. I want to go. But I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure about heaven. If my eyes closed in death today, I'm not sure that I would go. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that here right now? You just slip your hand up right now. Just raise it right up. Just raise it right up. And let me pray for you. Preacher, that's me. I'm not sure. I see that hand. Is there another? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? Just raise it up, okay? And sort of wave it at me. I don't want to miss you. Is there another? Is there another? How many are here today would say, Pastor, I'm already saved. I've raised my hand about that. And Jesus is prominent. He's prominent in my life. I'm just not so sure he's preeminent in my life. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you in just a moment just to tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and do business with the King of Kings, all right? Let's all stand around the house this morning. Folks are already coming. If you want to come, come on. Father, thank you for this time. 
Thank you for this truth that you've shared with us today. Lord, can I go ahead and say, forgive me. Forgive me, please. For those times when I made you important, but not the most important thing in my life. Father, forgive me for those times when I gave you prominence, but not preeminence. Oh God, today I pray some things are about to change. I pray some marriages are about to pick up. I pray some families are about to get some help. Lord, I pray some some parents are about to start a new way. God, help us as we make you first in our life. Have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, altars are open. Folks are using the altars. You need to come. Come on, listen. If you raised your hand today and said, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Right now, I want you to come. I want you to come. We have some personal workers up here in the altar. And that just means I have some folks up here with a Bible, all right? And they would love to pray with you today. If you're here and you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved, I want you right now to come. Would you come? Would you come? Preacher, I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure I would. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? Maybe you've been living the life, but there's never been a transformation that took place in your heart. What about it? Are you sure that you're going to heaven when you die? If not, step out. Come on. God will not make you come, but I promise you this. He'll help you with that second step. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? Lord, thank you for dealing in hearts. I pray you'll continue, Lord, to work right now. Father, have thy way. And then, Lord, help us to let go and let God have his way. Father, help us to give you preeminence. Lord, surpassing all others, help us to give you first place. Lord, continue to work, we pray. Save those that are lost. Encourage those that are discouraged. Father, help us, please, in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.